Big Sloth. We've lost a lot of people. And again, my condolences go to their families. But like the word said, they're better off than we are. When you think about it, what hurts the most is that we won't. We won't see them again. They won't be here with us. Because we're suffering. Yeah. We're suffering. But as long as you got God, it's going to be all right. With God, whatever it is, whatever it is, it's going to be all right. When you truly have God, whatever it is, it's going to be all right. Because you don't know that's God's will. The story's already been written. It's already been written. I'm Joel Murphy. This is Hobo Radio. With me, Big Vinegar himself, Lars Periwinkle. How are you? What's up, money? <laughs> and happy anniversary. I know that was, but that's since the last time we talked. So, hey, thanks. Yes, I've been married for a year. Yeah, you did it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm on a year to year basis right now. Yeah. Well, I just like, I figured we should update the audience in case any of them have any kind of side bets or anything, you know? Sure. That's, I hope you don't. Yeah, that would be mean. I don't even know yeah. like that, but that's on them. I'm saying that they're doing it. It would them. be. Yeah, it's, it's definitely on them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Although if you've been a long time listener to the show, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're both married now. That's weird. We definitely weren't when we started this 35 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was uh, that was a weird time. It was so expensive to get married back then, you know. It really was, you know. It's cuz we were spending all of our money watching uh Batman in the movie theater so that we didn't, you know. That's where all of it went. Oh, but movie tickets were less expensive. Which Batman movie were we watching 35 years ago? Oh, well, I, yeah. Okay, if you're going to be technical about this bit, then we were watching a re-release of the 1967 Batman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. That was a good That was a good flick. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. It, was really, it, it held up really well in the re-release, you know. They added more footage. It had three extra minutes of him running around with that bomb. The <laughs> so extended uh, cut. Why is it we never got an Adam West cameo in any other Batman sort of thing? Yeah, I, I don't know what that is. I think that it, at some point they made that calculation because Burton, I don't know why Burton didn't do it, but once that movie came out, I think... The trend has just been grittier and grittier Batman. So 
I think that they felt like it would be too winking at the audience. But I mean, Bob Kane is in that that 1989 Batman. So there's no reason that Adam West couldn't have had a cameo in that one. And also no reason he couldn't have had a cameo in like Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. But even, you know, why w- <laughs> so many cartoon iterations while he was still with us and uh, he's got a great voice. Like even even for for nothing else, he, he could have done voiceover work, right? Well, the greatest Batman series of all time, Batman the Animated Series, did have Adam West on. He played the Great Ghost. Did he really? Yeah. Well, that's good to hear. And it was actually, it's very sweet. It's a good episode because the idea is that the Bruce Wayne in Batman the Animated Series when he was a kid watched the Grey Ghost. So it was like a nice nod to that and then... As an adult, uh, the you know the the aged actor who had played the Gray Ghost, who was voiced by Adam West, needed Batman's help. So right. they actually did do that in Batman the Animated Series. This is actually ringing familiar to me. Now that you say it, was there was there a point in that episode? I might be mixing up with other, <clears throat> pardon me, other comedy tropes, not comedy tropes, just like tropes in general. But did, was there a uh, a point at which? Batman had to tell the gray ghost that he is more limited in his old age than he thinks he is. And maybe he needs to back off a little bit. Or did I just fabricate that from something else? I think you might be making that. I don't recall that offhand. Uh, Uh, No, because I think Batman had a lot of reverence. The the crux of the episode was the idea because the gray ghost had been like a serialized TV action star. So so he had played a guy. That was a hero, but he wasn't actually a hero. So it really revolved around him sort of being like, I can't do this. I was just an actor and him being like, yes, you can. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's good. That's good to hear because I was. um, I was uh, for a moment. Fearing that uh, Adam West had the same. um, the same attitude that um that William Shatner has of I won't be in anything that has James T Kirk in it because I'm James T Kirk. <laughs> I don't know if that's if, it. I don't know if Burt Ward felt that way because I can't think of any examples of him <laughs> doing anything but uh but no, Adam West like well because if you also remember too the Simpsons had Adam West playing himself as like an irrelevant Batman around the time that the 89 bat like it was after the Keaton Batman came out because the joke in that it's in the Mr. Plow episode mm-hmm. and the joke is that uh, he he's talking like Homer's like kids meet Batman and they're like, who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And why doesn't Batman dance anymore? Yeah, I do remember. Yeah. And, I, he, and you know what? When his his cameo in Thirty Rock at one point he says, um, "I'm in town for a case. The penguins here." Yeah, and nothing happens, and then he asks for a free meal. Yes, I read. Yes, of course he isn't like that. My my apologies to the memory of Adam West. Of course you aren't a giant prick like William Shatner. <laughs> right? No, Adam West really was the best. And I like not. To, we don't need to talk about Batman. We got plenty of things to talk about in this show. But I. I think the world is worse for the fact that we've lost because I love Batman. I love Batman in every iteration. I think what? 
I know it's breaking news, but obviously I, I love the Keaton Batman. I love the Christian Bale Batman. I'll watch the Pattinson Batman and it, it, that trailer looked pretty good, but I'm like, we, we could dial it back the other way a little bit. We, we could take that foot off the gas pedal. Like what if Batman wasn't a murdering soci- sociopath all the time? <laughs> yeah. You didn't mention Ben Affleck. I like Ben Affleck as Batman. Okay. He's, I think he's good at it. I okay. I wish he I had thought, been I allowed. That's why gonna, I was pretty sure you were going to stare at me for five minutes after you said that. <laughs> no, I, I maintain that I wish that he had gotten to direct his own Batman movie. I would have been interested in that. Yeah, fair enough. But I'm with you. Yeah, let's like it doesn't. Oh, man. Like at, at one point, Gotham City was a functioning city. But they've made these movies so gritty now that it's like, how is, how is there any infrastructure at all in Gotham City? Because it looks just, it's just a cesspool. It's like, you know, it looks like, um, uh, it looks like every movie about New York in the late seventies into the, the mid eighties of just like, holy shit. How, like, how does anyone step foot into that town? Yeah. No. And I think that's the biggest thing is I, I really do think. Uh, the the Nolan Batman was probably, for my taste, the edge of where we should be tonally, yeah. and I and I think the problem is everybody else seems to take that as a challenge to go further into like, but even think of the words of Bane that he said to Batman, you know, there can be no despair without hope. Like he understood, you have to have some kind of balance. There can be no despair without hope. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he was always saying stuff like that. Yeah. His, <laughs> He's a, a, a sage. Oh, yeah. The good old Bane. But but you know what I mean? Like, if it's all darkness, you know, then, then it's too grim. You know, you have to have some light. And I think, you know, it's funny because the, the you know, original, like, Michael Keaton Batman live action mm-hmm. movie, like, always gets credited as like that was gritty and it was for the time but you watch that now and it's very 80s and jack nicholson is just eating scenery and being cartoonish like it's not it it was gritty for a kid's movie but not gritty by today's standards like it feels tame now oh so uh yeah so tame so tame and also it it was like you said, it was a cartoon. It didn't yeah. matter. There was there wasn't even any world building. It was this is wherever they are in each given scene. It's given that this is happening in Gotham City, but they didn't build that world. No, it, it definitely just, the, the, here's a Batman a very, movie. It's a very improvisational feel to that first Batman yeah, movie. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but it, it, that one's a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, I I just. I don't know when Batman like because I like Affleck, but that that Batman has guns on his Batmobile. Like um, we could we could calm it down. <laughs> yep, yep. He walks around with a an automatic weapon. Yeah, like, like he weird. just fires a gun. At, like we've gone past the killing thing to just like Batman loves guns because famously we've only watched his parents be murdered a thousand times on screen. But we didn't remember that what he took from that was not liking guns. 
Yeah. <laughs> like not liking guns or killing or killing. Those are the two things that he was like, well, the, yeah. these guns and the death are the parts that are making me sad. So I'm against those. I'm against them. That and people breaking other people's necklaces. Yep. But look, I said it 10 minutes ago. <laughs> we're not going to talk about Batman all day. Right. It's not why we're here today. No. Nope. Uh, in fact, we are here with an important uh, thing, which is that we we lost an icon in the late 90s, early 2000s rap scene. And uh, I, I, I definitely would feel remiss if we didn't take some time to talk about Darkman X. <laughs> I like I I was thinking about him a lot because he will as longtime fans know he's come up on this show a few times. Yeah, uh, I it it, it it's, it's come up on this show because you and I were driving back to Baltimore from uh from Brooklyn, New York, and I don't remember what else we talked about. But but I know we talked about DMX for a really long time. Well, right. Because, I mean, and it's this is really what I was thinking about, because when we talked about him before, obviously we had fun and I'm sure we're we're going to have like maybe some fun. Talk about it. But like, I think that that was what I would have come to reflect on this past week is that I love DMX in equal measures, sort of like purely like i really do like his music and because it's absurd and i i think that's 50 50 like i i don't actually think i could decide what that ratio is it's equal parts that i really i think his music is great like mm. but it's also oftentimes kind of silly <laughs> absolutely it, it, a lot of his music was borderline novelty yes. just what what if someone was so over the top in your face like 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 masculine like i just did the barking noise like he was barking in the songs of like this is how hard i am it almost does seem it almost does seem like some sort of i don't know like some art project where you're um you're talking about you know hyper masculinity at the the turn of the century in america right and it's I, and there were a lot of guys in similar, you know, lanes, I think, to DMX. But I think that there was something unique about, one, his charisma, obviously the voice, mm. and just, like, he was better at it than a lot of people. <laughs> like, yeah. And I think his stuff stands up well. And I that's some, been something that I've enjoyed lately, is that you can kind of see, culturally, we've now reached a point where we're so old <laughs> that... Uh, Things like Deadpool and things like Rick and Morty are using X Go and Give It to You in their shows because, and I think both of those are comedic, and I think it's exactly what we're talking about. They're both using it because there's comedy to using it, especially in the ways that they use it, but also because it it hits. Like it needs to be comedic, but also hype you up for the scene, <laughs> like in equal measures, you know? So I think that's why Deadpool went to it. I think that's why Rick and Morty went to it. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. It, Cause I, every, this is so stupid. Every Christmas I send a, a meme to my brother-in-law and it is of uh DM, DMX dressed as Santa Claus. And it says X gon' give it to you. <laughs> Cause it's so like, it is so, it's so ridiculous, but it's so much fun because you're like, you know, you, you and I, 
you can talk about it when you're not hearing the song and you can say that song's ridiculous but it's really fun it's got a good beat i like that song it's a hype up song when someone starts playing the song there's no discussion. You just go crazy. You're right. Like, Holy shit. <laughs> this is this. You'll say this is my jam is everyone's jam. Everyone's excited to hear that tune. And that's the kind of music I think that he made. It's just like, it's all, you know, there, there aren't any, there aren't any ballads. Like he had things to say and sometimes he did, sometimes he didn't. But as far as I know, and I don't, and I don't know all of DMX's music, but I know from what I heard, it's all hype up music. It's all let's go. Let's go do it. We're fucking shit up. We got this. I fear nothing. You'll never die. You'll never age. It's today. <laughs> you only exist for today. <laughs> well, what I what I love, yeah, is well, first of all, so the the interesting thing to that is because in general, I would agree that it is by and large hype of music, and I guarantee that's why we had that discussion driving back because we had a several hour long car ride, and I'm sure some DMX got played because you if you're on a you know if you're on I ninety five driving south back to to Maryland and you got some time on your hand, you play some DMX. It's gonna make that trip shorter. Like that's just a pro tip right there. Most but, definitely, yeah. You're gonna be the uh, the, the there's a hundred miles of the New Jersey Turnpike before yeah. you get off the New Jersey Turnpike. <laughs> But uh, I like so to but just to follow up on the because it, it mostly was hype music. But the the thing that I love too again that was a juxtaposition is one on every album at least that I heard he there would be a track where he would pray and that was always fascinating because it would be like hype track hype track hype track now let us pray and it would be like a sincere <laughs> like a sincere like hype up prayer you know like of dear heavenly father where he's like kind of shouting it and you're like uh -huh. yeah like this is i would have stayed in church if it had been like this like you know but uh the, yeah the, there was something and like he that wasn't that wasn't specific to him there was something about that period in history where there was a a man who was cut to pieces swolt as hell covered in sweat shirtless um, wearing lots of expensive jewelry and trying to be humble. Like I'm just, yeah. I'm humbling myself before God. I'm like, you, you look like a God right now. Look at you, sir. Well, it's also, I mean, what DMX literally did on his albums was a long form version of the joke from the movie Necessary Roughness, which if you remember, like Robert Lowe's character at halftime does this whole like, you got to play football the way Ed Gennaro played football. You rip their fucking heads off and you shit down their throats. Now let us pray. And that's like, but that's, that's a DMX album. Essentially. It's like, I am the greatest. If you get in my way, I will destroy you and you won't have a chance because I'm that badass and you're terrified of me. Uh, now let us pray. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. And it's I, um, me and anyone I know will come and fuck you up into forever. You're going to be so sorry that uh, not only we exist, but that you exist. We're going to yeah. fuck your world up so hard honors up to god yeah <laughs> but I, and i and i think that is what it is is like it, the more i think about him and and i whenever i think about him i i just end up smiling but it's just like i think he was a, a truly a unique person full of fascinating contradictions which I, at the core i think we all are but like he just had these contradictions of like I, I'm going to rap about murdering you and then rap about God and praying. I'm going to 
uh, write the most intimidating, badass hype up track you've ever heard. But also half the lyrics are pretty silly and they're going to make you laugh. You know, like it's just I think there was that thing at his core and also just one when I was like reading some of the, the uh, you know, sort of obituary stuff about him. Not surprising to learn that he was a stick up artist that like kind of sounds parallel to Omar from The Wire and also similar to Omar. Sometimes didn't even have a weapon. Just his reputation was enough to <laughs> to be a stick up artist before he got into music. So like all of that makes total sense. But then also I realized that like on social media, there there are a number of people that have Bill Murray-esque encounters with dmx that were truly fascinating <laughs> to me like um one one person talked about how his friend when he was uh young i think he was like a teenager just hanging out at a gas station dmx pulls up with his family asks where uh a car wash is and the kid is trying to direct him to a car wash He's like, well, that sounds a little complicated. Could you just show me? Gets in the car with DMX. DMX drives to the car wash. He and this kid, while his family wait in the car, wash the car together while playing DMX's music. And then after that, drove him to CVS, bought him all the candy he wanted and bought him a... And this is the thing with the post. Bought him like a disposable... Uh, camera at the time because this is like before cell phone cameras and you can just see along with the post there was just a photo of DMX and this kid holding his bag of like CVS candy standing in front of a CVS just posing together like well yeah that legitimizes that entire story right because you listen to it and you're like that didn't happen and but you're looking at the photo and I'm like I mean maybe he's exaggerating but he definitely took a photo with DMX in front of a CVS with a disposable (laughs) camera (laughs) so what version of this story is is less weird than that <laughs> yeah yeah that's <clears throat> that is that is incredible that really yeah. is no it's, yeah and he like and we're all to your point yes we are all um we're all walking talking contradictions and i like i like i really um i really <laughs> i really appreciated it in that his in his music of you know a a, a four minute a four minute hype up song about he'll, he will fuck you up if you don't love women enough. Does, you know, <laughs> yeah, good. That's a good message, DMX. And you just, you just told me 17 times that you're going to come whoop my ass if I don't go find love <laughs> in a woman somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, and also, so I, maybe this is a good time too, because I, I did want to spotlight. Uh, so as, as I alluded to, as we've been kind of talking about, so we, uh, if you are a longtime listener <laughs> to this show, it was actually, this is from 2014. Uh, it was Hobo Radio episode 332. And uh, that was when we were talking about it. Uh, and yeah, I just found this like one clip of, because we, if you go back and, and listen to the show, like you and I are just having fun. Uh, analyzing his lyrics, which are often ridiculous, but it was particularly uh, this one clip that I wanted to share. I'm sorry, I can't <laughs> stop laughing at that line. Once I split your ass in two, you'll be twice as butt. <laughs> like, I don't even know what that is. Like, it certainly sounds insulting. You'll be twice as butt. You I know. was butt before. <laughs> Twice as butt. Once I split your ass in two, you'll be twice as butt. <laughs> I mean, you do not want to be twice as butt. 
is not a good thing to be. Like, imagine that you were very butt. <laughs> I and then sometimes, that was doubled. Sometimes I've been sitting there thinking, God damn, I'm butt. And if someone <laughs> had approached so me butt. at that point and said, you're, you're now twice as butt. You're twice as <laughs> butt. I wouldn't know what to do. Boy, boy, do I hate laughing at my own stupid jokes. That That's the nice thing about having a podcast for so long is that <laughs> I remembered that episode happening, but I couldn't have told you what we said. So it's nice to listen to yourself and, and be amused. You know? <laughs> I suppose. Because but what yeah, is... Yeah, like I'll split your ass in two. You'll be twice as butt. Twice as I butt. Just, I'm just going to rehash what I just literally <laughs> said. But for real... Those are the lyrics that I'm talking about. Those are excellent, excellent <laughs> lyrics. Uh, I, I have one more clip that I did want to play to, uh, which is this one's from 2015 uh, when I interviewed Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland about uh, using X Go and Give It To You. They just like, you know, launched into this very funny thing because they, they're explaining how difficult it was to actually get the rights to use that song when they decided to use it. So, um, yeah, so this is from 2015. I think you guys have forever uh, made X go and give it to you. A, a wonderful, like every time I hear that song now, I just think of that, <laughs> that montage. Uh, so what, I, I'm sorry. You have to, no idea how hard that was to, to clear. <laughs> like was DMX's lawyers difficult to deal with or no it was that DMX is off the fucking grid the guy is off the grid <laughs> like it was impossible to clear because or it was not impossible we we did it but it was very hard because he doesn't use the internet I don't even know if he has a phone he only has that dog <laughs> <laughs> That's his sole recourse to to social networking. We we went we we actually we actually found the guy that wrote the the beat. Uh, our, our writer's assistant assistant Adam Colas found that dude on, on on the internet. Emailed him. The guy said to our writer's assistant, "You're good luck." It was, it was like a Law and Order episode. Like we, like, like <laughs> the, the, the guy that wrote the beats is unloading fish off a truck while he's talking to us. Sure, I wrote a song with DMX. But you know <laughs> who you're doing re- again? Why is that? After he finished, he just vanished. Come on, we don't do vanished at NYPD. Look, I'm telling you what I'm telling you. You want more information? You got to talk to BMI. Dun dun. Yeah. <laughs> we talked to also three different managers who we were all told that this is his manager, and every one of them said, "I've been fired. He fired me." Like <laughs> we finally found a guy who was his actual manager, and that's how we did it. It was the dog. It was the dog, and he was like. Bruh, bruh. And that was the easiest deal we ever made. <laughs> Christ almighty. Yeah. So I, I think that's the thing. Like the more that I went down those rabbit holes of just like, there is a Bill Murray quality to yeah. encounters with DMX. Like <laughs> they all yeah, just, and you know what? It's funny because, um, artists like that seems like they're, they're such a pain in the ass and you hear stories about them. Like you hear two types of stories, in my opinion, that one, they're very, um, they're very unique, um, eccentric. And, uh, you get a, a lot of interesting stories out of them from like, um, from fans and things like that. And they seem to, uh, generally treat people well, but also they're just a nightmare 
to try to work with, like within the business. Well, and it, it, it honestly, it makes me think of, again, I didn't know I was going to compare. Look, all I'm saying is DMX is the Bill Murray of 90s rap. I just stay with me on it. But okay. uh, Listen, I'm, I'm going to I'm stand with. Here's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Go ahead. But uh, watch yourself, counselor. OK. All right. Uh, no, but because again, with the encounters, I think, but also because when you said that it, it clicked into something, when I read, uh, the, the oral history, I think it's Tom Shales wrote a, a fantastic book about the oral history of Saturday night live. But I remember in the early days of Saturday night live, they were talking about the difference between Chevy chase and Bill Murray. And I forget who it was, but someone in the book described it this way. They said, Chevy chase is nice to people who can advance his career and he's a dick to everybody else. Bill Murray is a dick to everybody he encounters, except like he does not care about the people who can help his career. Like, like that's the difference. You know, if you're just an average, nobody, Bill Murray will be super nice to you. Chevy Chase would be a dick to you. If you're a suit, like, you know, if you're a corporate guy trying to get something from them, Chevy Chase will be the nicest person in the world. And Bill Murray <laughs> does not care. And I think DMX has that quality of like, if you ran into him on the street, he would be absolutely lovely to, to you. If you need to get him to sign a contract, it's probably the worst, like, assignment yeah. that you've got like yeah totally totally yeah if, you, if you're his man he's like i i make hype up music to make people happy and that's what i do you know yeah well the dmx i think this would be a good deal for you i don't want to do that but it'd probably be good for your career you're fired god <laughs> damn it <laughs> and i was supposed to manage you or literally, it, it kind of just sounds like it might not even be that as much as just like, it seems like when they, in the, the Harmon Royland story, like when they found DMX, he he obviously willingly signed off. He signed off on Deadpool as well. I think it's just, there's like, DMX, someone wants to give you money to use your song. Yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> like, it's just like, you don't have to do anything. You just sign a piece of paper and then they give you money to use the song. Eh. What, oh, oh. Uh, what do you mean? Where? Where's the paper? <laughs> and then it's just like they really push him, and then he's like, "You're fired." <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Look, if you if you have to ask him for the same thing more than twice, you're you're gone. That's, yeah. that's the end. That's the the end of your assignment with Mr. DMX. Yeah, but uh, but no, I mean, yeah, like I just. I, because he's come up so often, I, I definitely didn't want to let it pass. And because, I mean, man, like, I think we're the right age of, you know, my, my high school years were made infinitely better by having DMX CDs to play when I drove around. You know, I mean, he's great. Totally. Yeah. yeah it, all, always fun. Always hyped you up. I don't think like, I don't know, even if it wasn't your kind of music that you generally listen to you like the dmx tunes you know even right. if it was just the ones that they played on the radio or played in homeroom or whatever you were you like the dmx tunes and no one ha ever had any beef with it it wasn't like this guy's a a dick like you never heard anything bad about dmx remember he had that he was supposed to have that um really quick cameo it was kind of a um on the on the Chappelle show, it was kind of a button on one of the skits was DMX shows up and starts playing music or something like that. I could be misremembering it. Was that the John Mayer one? Was that the like where they were doing 
they went to like different places and had different right artists. right right it, it yeah. could very well have been um because i my memory's leaving me on the particulars but i do remember that when they went back to um uh, they cut back to Dave Chappelle in front of the studio audience. He said, actually, DMX stuck around and did like a whole fucking concert for all <laughs> of us just in there who were just to film one quick, funny, stupid skit thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's the thing. Like, if you had something important to do, like th- your first call should be to call DMX to hype you up. Like there, there is no better hype man. <clears throat> Uh, than DMX. And also, I mean, yeah, like you can think about again, I, I was sort of spotlight those two, but like up in here, I know, like got used in a number of movies, including I'm pretty sure it's gone in 60 seconds. There's like, okay. yeah, but you know what I mean? Like there, a lot of it also, I mean, we haven't even talked about his movie career, which I do sincerely enjoy of like Romeo must die and exit wounds and, you know. That that DMX trilogy of hip hop martial arts movies, straight up. <clears throat> now those those two movies that you just mentioned, Exit Wounds and Romeo Must Die, you could transpose the plots of those movies to me right now, and I would have to believe that you're correct. <laughs> I, to, I know I saw both of them. I know I liked both of them, but I don't. Rem- I don't remember. I remember what happened in each of those movies, but I don't remember which is which. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to test this. Not that I don't believe you, but... Oh, okay. okay. Which one has Delroy Lindo in it as... Um, so, he, it's him, and then there's... A, he's, he's sort of the patriarch, like, leader of this one faction. And then there's another group with, like, the Asian guy. And they're both trying to sell properties in their neighborhoods to a guy to, to build a football stadium. What? And in this movie, DMX owns a club. Oh, Jesus. That doesn't clear anything up. <laughs> Can you read the plot to the other one? <laughs> okay. I That one was off the cuff because, to be honest, I've watched it in the past. Oh, was that week. off the cuff? I thought you I thought you pulled it up real quick. Did you, no. watch, that, did you watch that recently? I, I watched it, like, after he <laughs> passed oh, away. Oh, man. We... <laughs> We all watched Jessica Walter stuff after she passed, and here you are. Uh, okay, so the <laughs> other one. Okay, so not helping things is the fact that both movies have Anthony Anderson and Isaac Washington in them. Get the fuck out of here. Are you serious? I'm, I'm dead serious. Uh, but so the other one is a tough cop in an inner city precinct discovers a web of dirty cops and corruption. Okay, I'm going to say that one is Exit Wounds. That is Exit Wounds. Okay. And then, yeah, because I think the tip-off is because there's two families. There's two rival families. So that's the Romeo of Romeo Must Die because oh, Jet no. Lee for, for that one, that I didn't put that together. Yeah. I was putting it within um, <clears throat> Exit Wounds seems like a, um, yeah, like a paramedic term yeah. for when a cop gets shot. So well, but yeah, any, anyone gets shot, but. Yeah, because the whole, you know, Romeo and Juliet of Romeo Must Die is that Jet Li and Aaliyah are each on opposite sides of this. Yeah. Right. And then just to round it out, the the other one, because I did mention there's three, is Cradle to the Grave, uh, which also has Jet Li. And uh, that is a jewel thief's daughter is kidnapped after he steals a collection of prized black diamonds, which aren't at all what they seem. Also, Anthony Anderson's in that. <laughs> I thought, I thought Romeo Must Die was the movie that you just talked about. 
Yeah, that's the one. I think you... I already forgot the name. What was it called? Cradle to the Grave. Cradle to the Grave, I thought, was Romeo Must Die. No, because those are the ones that are very different. Because they both have Jet Li. Uh, They both... The difference is... Because this is the thing. So, Molly and I did rewatch Romeo Must Die, which I learned that it was a go-to movie for Molly. (laughs) Like, that she's seen a lot. Get out of here. Yeah. Uh, so that was a fun thing to learn. That's the nice thing about being married for, you know, we've been married for a while now. Like you're still learning new things, you know? So yeah. Like, yeah. I learned something new about my wife recently. I don't know. What's it? What now you teed that up? Are you going <laughs> to, um, no, I, I think it's, I think it's pretty well known about her personality, but she is, um, she is, <laughs> she is really afraid of giant underwater creatures. Oh, Fair enough. Which we we all should be. Yeah. But like, she'll be at home. Like, she'll be in our house and start to get like she'll see. A, oh, someone will on TV will talk about a whale, and she's like, eh, "I like I like those, <laughs> those whales. They're too big. <laughs> Just, they're, too, they're too big. What are they doing under there? They're all being too big and going around being big." <laughs> I think the nice thing about that phobia is that it's it's easy to avoid. You just you just stay out of the water, like, and that's exactly what she does. Like yeah, she just don't don't want to hear about it. I tried to like, she knows about baleen and everything. Like most whales don't want to. She just she's not yeah. interested. She's not also interested. in her defense, there are straight up monsters in the ocean. So I, I'll give. Oh her yeah, that. no, it's a terrifying, an absolutely yeah. terrifying place. I'm just saying, yeah. you know, if you're at Huntington Beach. Yeah. Um, not, there, there's a very small chance that a giant squid is going to wrap you up and take you into the depths and eat you. Yeah. Um, yeah. you're much more likely to have a suburban mom who loves Donald Trump <laughs> shout at you and eat yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. Straight up. That's a conservative yeah. <laughs> area of our country. But like, <laughs> that's the thing though. Like not, a, she's not afraid of sharks. Like shark, sharks are a reasonable size and she knows that they're dangerous, but like, she's also no, not so afraid of, um, like a, like a tiger, which is a big dangerous creature. Um, but that's a, a reasonable sort of big for her when it's a giant something <laughs> it's like it's not, not interested in hearing any news about them whatsoever. How is she with that Decemberist song? Is she okay? The- <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm gonna ask because I think yeah. she she does actually like the December song. because they're they're great. But I just just as a warning uh, to Julia because Molly and I saw them in concert. They they wow. do have a a big like whale that they like inflatable whale oh, that goodness, floats around. Goodness gracious! I'm gonna during the crowd. Just to, so just to <laughs> let her know. It's, it's um, a funny thing. But that that one that one brings down the house though. It's a great it's a great song to see live. So, but anyway. Uh, yeah, so the, that was our tribute to DMX. I think we covered it. No, sincerely, like I, uh, I really do. You know, I think we're both fans of DMX. I, hopefully, that was clear <laughs> over the years. Even as we, I, I love him and find him ridiculous. And really, I think we should all aspire to that. So, most definitely, yeah. I we were all like, you know, our our generation, like our very specific generation, were all DMX fans, and then. <laughs> I didn't know what a big fan you were until that ride home from Brooklyn. And uh, I remember, I think I remember saying like, um, is this another DMX song? Yeah, said, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever noticed about DMX? And I said, no, I did notice that. <laughs> and then we talked about DMX for a long time. Yeah. 
But uh, all right. Um, well, I don't. I I don't want this just to be the bummer show where we just talk about uh, things that we've lost. But I don't know. Isn't that what the last few years have been? But I, I did want to just mention as well that I am pretty bummed that the uh, ArcLight, the uh, Cinerama Dome specifically, but all of ArcLight uh, announced that they they've been shut down obviously because of the pandemic. But then. Uh, they announced this week that they are not planning on reopening. And that is a bummer because, first of all, the Arclight is a great theater chain run by people who love movies. And it was definitely a favorite in general of people in L.A. just because, uh, you know, they were all very knowledgeable and they all understood movies and like cared about movies. They they would actually do like a, you know, pre thing before the screenings where someone would come out and talk to you about um you know, just about the movie and kind of give this setup thing. And they, they were, I don't know, they just were very cool and knowledgeable and it was good theater, but also that Cinerama Dome specifically, uh, if that's not ringing a bell, uh, you've seen it. It's in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think was the most recent thing, but it's in everything. It's the one that looks like a big golf ball, the big theater that's uh, in downtown LA that is beautiful and really fun to see movies in. And I hope it reopens. It's going to reopen. Yeah, I think it will. I mean, it's already like designated uh, landmark and like I don't think it's going anywhere. So it's just a matter of who. But there's also I mean, even opening, there's still that chance that I don't know, some asshole <laughs> like buys it and makes it not as good. So I hope good people uh, take over, you know, people like the the Arclight people because they, they really did like movies and they cared about it. And that's nice. And I don't want it to be like a Lowe's, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, which we need. I mean, we need a Lowe's. We need a, a, an AMC. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I've, as many, like, we have seen a lot of movies at that theater. I've seen probably just as many movies since I moved out here at the AMC theater in Burbank. So, yeah. like, so, like, you know, that one has a big Batman statue in front of it. So, like, yeah, they, they all have their purposes. But, um, yes, indeed. But they have, you know, um, the Arclape has uh, that purpose and it's a good one, you know? Yeah. And it was cool. And they did a lot of screenings and stuff there and stuff that you could only see there. So they, they were very cool theater and I'm just sad about it. So, so now everyone else be sad. That is a bummer. No one, you know, um, even though it's, you know, the arc, especially for people who listen to podcasts, you know, the, the arc light is a place that a lot, that a lot of people have talked about over the years. And it's a, you know, it's a, it's like an alternative movie theater in Los Angeles. So it gets a lot of attention, but like everyone should have, everyone should have that movie theater that is within driving distance, at least where you can go see a movie that is not showing on a big screen anywhere else. You know, it like, yeah, for us, it was in DC. Um, uh, if it wasn't in DC, then you had to go to the, the Charles and Baltimore, um, uh, you know, I've been Baltimore for shit to, I don't know, 15, 20 years or something um, now. So it's always been the Charles Theater for me. If you can't find it, well, you have the Parkway now as well in Baltimore. But if you can't find it anyplace else, there should be, you know, they call it an um, an uh, an art house movie theater. It's an alternative movie theater. What, what, whatever it is, um, we need those things. Come on. Come on. Yeah. It's just for pretentious elites. It's also for goofy crap. 
Well, yeah, I mean, that that's always the thing is that, yeah, there, there's obviously a place for the big, you know, multiplex theater to see, you know, if I'm going to see when I see Fast and the Furious 9, you know, that's the, the one I just watched the trailer for. I definitely want to see that in a big, you know, multiplex with a bunch of people. Uh, hopefully, hopefully <laughs> we get there. What? We'll see. That's we'll see how we do. You want you're going to go see that in the theater. Well, that's why I said hopefully. I probably yeah. won't. I, I, do you think about that? I think about that a lot. Like I, I miss going to movies so much, and I have no so idea much. what I'll feel comfortable being in a movie theater. <laughs> I know that I will not feel comfortable in a movie theater that is playing the ninth Fast and Furious movie. I will not feel comfortable in that. You know what? You're right. I should see it at a drive-in theater, so then I can be in a car. While I'm watching. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that I can feel like, like I'm living it. my. Oh man. Yeah, like I'm you, living my life like a quarter mile at a time with them. Like, oh man, what if you oh. pretended you were like, you, <laughs> you were ludicrous or something. And yeah. like, ah, I'm in the movie too. That's the right one, by the way. I'm glad you said ludicrous. I think I would have been offended if you said any other person in that movie that I would okay. pretend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except uh, uh, Helen Mirren. I don't know if you saw, but she it looks like she gets behind the wheel. So they got Does my she notes. drive? It looks like she's driving. So I'm oh. glad that someone at the studio got my notes from the last oh. few. <laughs> I will say, <laughs> I will say too, I couldn't tell, but it looks like Ludacris and uh, Tyrese, right? That's the... Uh, yeah, Tyrese. That, yeah, that they, um, they look like they were putting on some kind of flight suits. And I was like... If they go to space, like, you know, this is all any of us want. If these two men go to space in this movie, it'll be the best well, one. Well, you know, they're into spinoffs now. I mean, I would watch Ludacris and Tyrese go to space. Like, I mean, Hobbs and Shaw was enjoyable, but that's uh, to quote Tyrese's character from one of the earlier films. That would be mission in freaking sanity. <laughs> 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 yeah that's um if they didn't even like call them by their characters names it's, it's Tyrese just and ludicrous <laughs> yeah you know we know what you're coming to see yeah remember when tyrese tyrese goes okay it's the you either keep me in this franchise or the rock you got to make a decision <laughs> that i mean god god bless him but man like <laughs> It is nice that they got their own spinoff because The Rock and Jason Statham came into that series late and completely took it over. Yeah, straight up, straight up. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I mean, they did, but, you know, the other people are still getting a paycheck. Well, right. I mean, that's you know, the thing. Is, if I if I were so lucky to be, you know, one of the guys who's good at driving cars in Fast and the Furious 1 through 4, and then The Rock shows up, and I'm standing next to Tyrese, and he's like, you know, I think we should say it's like him or us. I'd be like, no, nope, no, no, no. do not feel that way. Like, if I do can not rock sit this it, boat. Yeah. If, uh, does The Rock, like, need someone in his passenger seat that, like... Like, you know, it could, we could do like a thing where I'm the uptight, unfun person that he he just makes fun of. I'm down for that. Like, <laughs> does he need someone to carry his bags? Like, just keep giving me this Fast and Furious money. Like, are you kidding me? Do not yeah, rock yeah. that boat. Yeah, it's like someone just someone, someone just uh, opened up a designer handbag um, uh, store in our neighborhood. We should go tell them they're not wanted. Well, please, please don't. Please, please don't. I think, <laughs> I think that means good things are happening for us. 
Well, it's just, I mean, with The Rock, especially like everywhere that he's gone of just, you know, like we were a 90s WWE wrestler, just like, you know, I'm going to go to Vince and I'm going to say, I don't, I don't know about this Rock character. Like I need to be in the main event. Like dude has star quality and just is like, you can never count him out of anything. Like he, he has figured out how to be one of the biggest stars on the planet. He is a legit movie star, you know? And yeah, if you can ride that, <laughs> ride that rocket with him into space. I mean, hopefully. I respect you for for saying to yourself, I don't want to find success by just hitching my wagon to someone. I get it. But, but, and this is a big, but if you can hitch your wagon to the biggest movie star on the planet, right? And, and that gives you the freedom to do whatever the hell else you want to do. I say go ahead. And plus you're Tyrese. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Vin, Vin Diesel, I get his beef. I still think it's stupid, but I, I get his beef of I was the star of this this franchise. Now someone else is. I get it. But you well, were and Tyrese. Also, you were a guy in the back going, I, I don't know how to turn off my windshield wipers. Ah! I mean, yeah, literally his character is guy who doesn't want to be there. That's a pretty easy <laughs> character to write out. Like, but also, yeah, I mean, like Vin Diesel one, yeah, was the star of the movie. And then two, Vin Diesel, you know, he loses Fast and the Furious. That hurts, but he's still Groot. He still has like the Pitch Black franchise. Right, right. Like Vin Diesel has options. <laughs> like Straight up. And I'm just, all I'm saying is that, you know, you, you don't see Jack Black Karen Gillan and Kevin Hart going to the producers of Jumanji going like, you know, I think this is about enough of the rock. Like, how about you got to pick who's the star of Jumanji? Is it the rock or is it, is it Jack Black? Which of us is going to lead? <laughs> which of us right. is going to be wearing the tan shirt and little shorts and charging through the jungle? Like <laughs> saving the day. Yep. Yeah, no straight. And in that case, I mean, like Jack Black has starred in his own stuff. Uh, uh, Kevin Kevin Hart's stock has been up for quite some time now. Even taking some hits, and his stock is still up. And The Rock is The Rock. It's Karen Gillan is the hero there who's saying, "I will, I will work very hard and do a very good job and complain." Zero percent. Right. Also, Karen Gillan has the the Avengers backup. It's, to there, back. it's like, yeah, I'm not even like, <laughs> like, holy shit. I got so much screen time in Endgame. I'm very happy and I did a very good job. <laughs> I'm, I have no complaints yeah. with just being a working actor. I'm very happy about that. Also, She's between from the north of Scotland, like the north of Scotland. You guys know where Scotland is? <laughs> the north of it. I do think one of the funniest things in the world is that when she was cast on Doctor Who and in that first episode that they needed a little girl that looked like young Karen Gillan to introduce the character. And so they needed to find a young Scottish redheaded actress who looked like Karen Gillan. And without her knowing it, they when they did the casting call, they cast someone she was related to. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, they went to that town she was from to try to find it. And there's like, there's like 70 people there. Yeah. Well, it's a, do you want a young Reddit girl that looks exactly like Karen Gillan? Then it's going to be her cousin. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the other option. That's the only option, you know. 
Goodness but, gracious. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, it seems to me that some people can, uh, I don't know how we got on this, but like some people can count their blessings of whatever I'm working and I'm happy and I'm going to come in and do my job very well and go home with my money. And for Tyrese Gibson, that wasn't enough, I, I suppose. <laughs> right. Which, and again, I mean, not to disparage him, like you said, if he, if he wants to do his own thing, but it's just like, I, I just, well, he to went me, to the press, the, you know what I mean? He went to yeah, the press yeah. and was like, I'm tired of The Rock being in my movies. <laughs> but it's also just like, what What are you upset about? Well, that people like that he's here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that, that our movies make more money when he's in them. <laughs> like Ridiculous. You know, the, it's that thing about the rising tide and the boats and all that, you know. <laughs> you know what? Speaking of beef and movies, didn't you have you had a you had a bone to pick? I was reading your social media stuff and I think you had a legit bone to pick um, uh, with Netflix re- regarding uh, a specific um, series or movies. What is it? I didn't quite understand because I don't I don't know that the series or movie is. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, so yeah, if people saw on this site uh, or on this podcast, if you're listening, so I just actually interviewed uh, Elizabeth Ito, who is the creator of City of Ghosts, which I had talked about with you on the show because I really like that show. It's a great comfort show, right? And um, I like it was this strange thing of like I watched the show, I liked it, I reached out, I wanted to talk to Elizabeth Ito. Uh, she was great. It's, it's a really fun interview. The show is fantastic. But then I, I dropped the show this week and then I went, you know, I saw like on her social media that, that she's feeling very, uh, sort of pessimistic about the odds of there being more episodes when like that, that didn't seem the case when I talked to her, which was, you know, like last week. (laughs) So in the time between I talk, it just seems like, and it just, so it is very specifically that show, which I think is great because it was, there's, you know, if people don't know, if they didn't hear that episode, City of Ghosts is, uh, and Elizabeth Ito, she had, uh, she's has a long background in animation. She worked on Adventure Time, uh, but she created this show and the show is like, it just goes around to different neighborhoods in LA and uh, there's these kids and they're ghost hunters and they meet ghosts, but the ghosts are all nice. Like it's not scary. And the, the ghosts, they just, the format is used to basically talk about different neighborhoods in LA and their history and the people that live there. And like, you know, just that's really interesting. Like it, it and it uses real yeah, people. I remember, I remember you saying it was comfort watching for you. Like it yeah. was just like, it wasn't saccharine horse shit. It was just like really nice, interesting stuff. Yeah, and it just like it's very soothing, and it's just it's kids, and they're going around, and they're talking to these people, and the people that they talk to uh, are real people, and they're talking about the real history of LA, and like so, I I felt like I was learning stuff about LA, uh, and also just the people, you know, like everything about it was really delightful. Elizabeth Ito is really delightful. It's a good show. They made six episodes of it, and it. You know, just the idea that Netflix would bail on it is very frustrating, especially because, you know, like it's again, without ever like hammering you over the head with anything or anything. It's just it is a show with a diverse cast talking about parts of L.A. that don't always get talked about. And I think all of that is valuable and it just feels weird to not support that show. And and I think just the more I think about it. And it's sort of a thing that's been nagging at me lately in general. It just feels like Netflix is increasingly 
doesn't really seem like they stand behind anything. Like, I, I think there are all these cases where you can see, you know, there was the whole thing with Bridgerton where that became a huge hit. And then the guy, uh, which forgive me, I can't think of his name, but the the actor who starred in the first season of Bridgerton, they didn't lock him up to a deal because they didn't think it was going to be anything. And then all of a sudden he's a huge breakout star. And then it's like, well, he should sign with us for a really like they offered him a really shitty contract to come back for season two. And he said no, because he's getting all these other offers. And, you know, this is another case of like Netflix, one, doesn't believe anything to start because they didn't lock him into a longer contract. And then two, even when something blows up, they don't stand behind the people in the show. You know, they want to lowball them and think that it's it's just like, I don't know. Netflix seems like they got too big at some point. And it's rare for a show to make it past season three. A lot of shows get canceled after one season. Like it just, and especially, you know, shows with diverse characters and creators and all of that, which are important. Like, so it's, I, I just, I miss the days when, you know, you have networks like HBO and you have networks like FX that have long histories of just believing in a show. The Wire is a show that never got good ratings that ran for five seasons because HBO said this show is important. FX treats their shows like that too. If they believe in a show, unless the ratings are so low that they really can't justify it financially, they'll pretty much stick with their shows. You know, they, they believe in creators. They want to support them. They want to grow audiences. They'll give stuff time to develop. And I just don't see that with Netflix anymore. And I find it very frustrating. I think it happened in the past year, man. We we were all at home. So it's, it always seemed to me that Netflix, um, Netflix will give you two seasons, no matter, no matter if anyone is watching your show, they'll give you two seasons because especially if you're something um, that's not high budget, we'll give you two seasons. You know, it's not costing us much and maybe word of mouth or sped because that's what Netflix, Netflix relies on is word of mouth. They want something to blow up on the internet that everyone's talking about it. Didn't happen for season one so much. We'll see what happens with season two. You want you to get your feet under you and it doesn't, I, I don't, I think, you know, you think you might be right. They're getting big for their britches. So, you know, it's like, you know, hit it right away or man, we got a lot of people waiting in the wings. Like we, we can, we, we literally have enough money to make everything at once, but we don't have to. So if it's not, if it's not blowing, blowing air up our skirt, then eh. Well, and it's just, and again, I mean, yeah, I think the two season thing was true before. I don't even think that's true anymore because I think increasingly you're seeing stuff only get one season. Tuca and Birdie only got one season after you gave, and I loved BoJack Horseman. I think it's a great show, but it's like BoJack Horseman got to finish things on its own terms. And then it's like, okay, here's the, you know, people behind that with a new show. uh, And you give that one season and then cancel it and then people were so upset that cartoon network is bringing it back right but- right and then i remember um uh sense eight got it got canceled but they said we're gonna we can't do any more seasons but we'll let you do i don't remember i think it was a two-hour finale of we could, we're gonna let you wrap up under your own terms but that was a super expensive show because they were filming all over the globe Right. And um that was that was so stupid. This is how this is how out of touch I am. I watched two seasons of Sense8. 
because I loved it a lot. It, re- it reminded me a lot of comic comic books I've watched, especially like um, uh, Cowboy Ninja Viking. And yeah. um, uh, it started a bunch of people that I like, a bunch of new people I hadn't seen before. I'm like, this is a great fucking show. End of season two, and it and it talked about. Uh, I read an article. I just saw the headline. Actually, it was like, um, um, well, the Wachowskis talk about their LGBTQ plus show, um, Sense Eight, and I thought, oh, oh <laughs> that show actually is super gay. <laughs> I never, I never put that together. It was a Anyways, it was very, very good and it was really expensive. And even then, and that was just a few years ago, they let it go for a long time and then let them end on their, um, on their own terms. But yeah, I I think it's just, I think they see a lot of competition in Amazon specifically and also, um, Disney, which is new and HBO Max, which is brand new. I think they see those competitions on the field and now they're they're less inclined to take the risks that they used to but i i think that it's a mistake and i think it's gonna eventually backfire i'm already 100 yeah you, you, I, look you're, you're getting 10 bucks a month from everyone right well and and the thing is too like you can see so with disney the thing that they did which is funny because i remember people being like well now that netflix just dumps everything at once which i also think is I've always felt is a big mistake to drop an entire season Agreed. in a weekend Agreed. because you just it's going to limit the shelf life of it. You know, people feel the need to binge it versus you can see Disney Plus is just like, yeah, we release one episode a week. We don't care. And then what happens? Everybody once a week goes online to talk about WandaVision sure or to talk about yeah. The Mandalorian or to talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And it just by making it serialized like that and by making it you know, week to week and you have to wait for the episode. It builds anticipation. It gives time to build the audience because maybe you don't watch it the first episode. And then you see that, you know, what are these memes? Why is baby Yoda drinking this broth? Like what you start feeling like you're missing out. Like it gives it time to snowball and to build an audience. Uh, I was at a, like I was talking to someone recently and uh, it was like an, older lady who just knows that I know about pop culture who just looked at me and was like, what's what's the thing with this WandaVision? <laughs> it's like, you can just see that. Like it's, it's permeated to her. And I, you know, it kind of was like, how, how much do you want to know about this question? <laughs> like, oh, how, it's all, yeah. oh, it's always a landmine they're stepping yeah, yeah. on and they don't yeah. even know it. But like, you know what I mean? Like where it's like, that's getting into it versus this Netflix model you there is no fear of missing out because okay so it all dropped on friday if you make it through that first weekend well okay when no one's ever going to talk about it again so it's just there, there's just a new it's just a meat grinder yeah. and if you didn't get yeah. this meat you know there's just something else is getting churned up next week like there was just, something there was something cool about it at first because i mean it was such a novelty they can see a whole season at once but you're right go, go back to it like we can wait there's so much crap to watch like we can wait a week by the way i I realized that not knowing that you've stepped on a landmine is the purpose of a landmine. So I could have just said, you've just stepped on a landmine. <laughs> so you can send those corrections someplace else. Uh, but yeah, there was something really cool about it. But I think the novelty has worn off. And um, I'm fine with waiting week to week because I have found that watching episodes of shows that only come out once a week has freed up for me to talk to 
talk to like my my coworkers um about well, it's a pandemic. So my coworkers and no other people about about the shows that we watch week to week. And I kind I kind of miss that, you know, even if it isn't like you don't the day after it came out, you know, you can say did you watch the new episode? And they say, no, I forgot that came out. I'm going to watch it tonight. And then you watch it. You watch, you talk about it the next day. And that's something that's some like straight up. The water cooler is something I kind of miss, you know? Right. And it's, yeah, you think about the last like really huge show that felt like that water cooler show that everybody talked about was game of Thrones. And again, it was the same kind of thing. You, you had to watch game of Thrones on Sunday night. When you went into work on Monday, you were going to talk to people about it. Everybody wanted, to know what was going to happen and it's just yeah you lose those moments because it not only do you not get to have that conversation but the conversation you end up having is someone goes like hey did you see you know the new episode of sense eight and it's like are you like did you hey did you watch sense eight this weekend it's like whoa whoa whoa, no 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 i only saw the first episode so like whatever you're gonna say don't say it so it actually like shuts down conversations not only like yeah yeah Yeah, well i don't talk to me about that yeah, it's it, it just makes it like instead of being a fun thing where you can look forward to a new show, which Jesus, after this past year, isn't that what we need? It's just like it feels like a burden of like, I better watch this before it's spoiled for me. And yeah, I just I don't know. I just have had this and it's been nagging at me that I just increasingly feel like Netflix doesn't really stand behind or really value the people that make their shows and that's a bummer well i kind of it's funny because i kind of see them as um uh i see them (laughs) i see them as like the america to (laughs) to the the rest of entertainment's uk so like they're too big and loud and impossible to navigate. No, like <laughs> what, what do you, uh, you show your, uh, your shows, uh, you show them weekly. We're showing them to everyone at once. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, what do you, yeah. What, what side of the road you drive on? We're on the other. Oh, metric system. <laughs> no, n- no, sir. We do. We do not use the metric system. We have to use something else because you use the metric system. Let me ask you this. Um, Celsius or Fahrenheit? There is a correct answer. No, incorrect. We use the other one. And it's just we're going to do it because it just upsets the system. Like we 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 branched off from that because we want to be the opposite of that for uh for better or for worse we're always going to do the opposite and that's what netflix is is like we when there was only tv then came netflix so we we are the mavericks we're the pioneers we do the opposite right well and yeah i like it's just too much like it's just it's it feels like a full-time exhausting job to even know what's on Netflix anymore. Like what, what's the next show that's going to come out on Netflix? Like what's the next, like, I just feel like they're just throwing stuff at a wall at this point. Like they don't even even tell you, they just drop shit and see if people start, start to talk about it. Right. Which is not like, so you as someone who put your whole heart into a television show that was your dream and that uh-huh. you made as good as possible. Well, sorry, we released it on a Friday night and didn't tell anyone and nobody found it. So it's done and we own it. So there's never going to be more yeah. of it. Sorry that you cared so much. 
We put it on the trending now list to see if anyone would bite. They didn't. Yeah. So that was all we did. We didn't promote it or, you no, know, buy billboards. When people <laughs> first opened the app, they net, they didn't see anything talking about your show. No, it is horseshit. It is horseshit. They're too big for their britches. Um, yeah. Yep. So that was it. That was that was what I said on social media, but longer. So, uh, but no, it's a bummer. It is a bummer. And it, especially because like I went from I want to talk to Elizabeth Ito because I really like this show. And if you listen to the interview, I'm kind of talking to her about season two, about just the idea of it. Of like, do you have thoughts on season two? Like, what, what are you going to do if the kids get too old? And then it's like, oh, no, they, it's already sounds like it's done. Like, it, nope. <laughs> Sorry. Like our algorithm says no for for something that sounds like it's it doesn't cost a lot of money to make. Like we're doing we're doing this with a a lot of love and passion and we don't need a lot of money to to make the show that we want to make. Yeah, it's a six episode like kids animated show. Like it's you know, it's made with a lot of love and care, but you made six episodes of it. I guarantee that that's what a Netflix executive finds in their couch. Is that yeah, budget. straight up? Give them a full season and see what happens. Some, like I see, man, especially if it's for kids. The folks, parents are just trying to keep their kids occupied for a while while they make them breakfast before they yeah. go to school on the goddamn computer. If you put something educational and fun in front of them that it, like it isn't just feeding them a bunch of like bright colors and sounds and horse shit, then they'll watch it. Just make yeah. a full season. Who the hell cares, man? You have all of the money. Yeah. Well, that, I, I think that's what I just get back to is like, what what would it cost you guys to just pick a show and believe in it? Again, like, like I said, this is stuff that FX would do. This is stuff that HBO would do. You know, even like networks have done that stuff. Like NBC definitely carried some comedies longer than they needed to just because they were like, yeah. let's see if this finds an audience. Like yeah. season one of Parks and Rec wasn't like it didn't find its footing. Like, you know, 30 Rock, it took a little while to find its footing. You know, they they hung in there with them. Like this idea of just like, I don't know, you get six episodes and they better be great. And also you have to promote yourself or else you're never going to get another chance. It's just... I don't know. It's just a bummer. Like it's. I feel like I'm just talking in circles at this point. But it, it was probably it, they it was bum probably me out. Some Netflix, some nef- like so, Netflix, and I used to like Netflix a lot. But it was some Netflix LA douchebag who probably like saw one of those episodes and saw that they were casting they were casting Los Angeles's history in some sort of bad light and said, no, we're not, we're not having that. This town is great well, and has always been great and perfect. Has never treated anyone poorly. Well, that's honestly what I like said in on Twitter that that I think you probably saw was like I was talking about the fact that like, yeah, if people at Netflix had watched City of Ghosts, they would realize like what's lost when you destroy something (laughs) unique and culturally diverse to just replace it with a bland, like soulless product. Like that is what the show's about of like just these like, you know, unique like little spots in LA that like are disappearing, you know? And so like, yeah, let's make that disappear <laughs> straight up. Christ almighty. Anyway. Yeah. This, uh, hopefully this wasn't a bummer of a show, but that's nah, not a, that's nah, not a bummer. Like crappy things happen in the world all the time. We're going to, we're going to miss us some, some DMX. I think um, the arc light's going to be back and, you know, I mean, none of us are 
canceling the Netflix subscription at this point. Well, some some people are. Some people are not. Most of us are not. Whatever. Who cares? They have the fucking money. (laughs) (laughs) So remember, question everything. (laughs) And shut up and get a lawyer. some of the lyrics from your song. How about I pick the lyrics? Who We Be. I think you'll like these lyrics. Um, The hurt, the pain, the dirt, the rain, the jerk, the fame, the work, the game. I like what you said. Yeah. (laughs) Did it, did it. (laughs) The friends, the foes, the bends, the hoes, these 
studios. The studios, the shows. Why don't you just read it? Studios, I, I like the, the way shows, you read it. It comes and it goes. The jealousy, the envy, the phony, the friendly, the one that gave them the slugs, the one that put a mimi, the snakes, the grass, too long to see. The lawnmower sitting right next to the tree. It's right there, just mow that grass and you'll see the snakes. Yeah. Hobo Radio is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. In a world where people watch movies. I think I'm going to watch a movie. Sometimes they don't like what they see. I don't like this movie. Sometimes, they look for the silver lining. Wait a second. I like this part of this movie. Joel and Andy, do that work for you. The Silver Linings Playback. I like this part of this podcast where they tell me the part of the movie I like. Every Monday on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts.